everybody. Welcome back to episode three of Chat with the Hat podcast. I'm Dave and this is Rowan. Hey guys, how's it going? Good to be back again. And, uh, bring on this one. Should be fun. Got a few things to talk about, so let's go. Yeah, so we've got a, we've got a couple of things, but the first thing we'll just get away uh, our sponsors shout out to Jason Sweeney at gamelife.com.au. All your peripherals and accessories you need for online streaming and gaming. Uh, go to his website, gamelife.com.au. He's supporting us, so we're supporting him. So thanks again, Jace. So we'll have a wrap-up from Newcastle. There's been a couple of things that have finalised since that round, and we'll look ahead to the Melbourne round with the F1s and supercars hitting Albert Park Circuit next weekend, or this weekend. So kicking off with the Triple Eight appeal against their disqualification for having the yes. ice box mounted on the right-hand side of the driver's seat. That hearing was held on, I think, Wednesday night. And yep. the appeal was dismissed, and then they released on Friday the full decision document explaining the reasoning behind the dismissal of the appeal. So did you get a chance to read through that, Ro? I did have a bit of a read over it last night, so I didn't read the whole thing because it was a good, you know, 2,000-word essay, and I just, you know, don't have the mental capacity to uh, read that many boring words. But I read over the, uh, you know, the, the important bits at the top as to why it was dismissed and and uh, and the reasoning behind that. And uh, I think fair enough, they've done a clear breach of the rules and they didn't follow the correct procedures. And that's, uh, you know, that's the rules of the rules in supercars. And if you break them, you you get disqualified. So I think that's more than fair. You know, they claimed that Adrian Newey had given them, uh, not Adrian Newey, Adrian, Adrian Burgess. Adrian, Adrian <laughs> Burgess. Yeah. Newey might have had a bit more sway. Adrian Burgess, uh, they, you know, <laughs> cl- claimed that he'd given them verbal permission, which apparently even if he had or hadn't, he declared he denied that he even had. But uh, e- even if he had, it wouldn't have meant Jack anyway because he has no authority to give that verbal permission and, you know, that's that's what it is. So you, you need to make sure you put it all in writing and, and do all those things and follow the correct procedures to make a, such a substantial change like that. And it was a clear breach of the, I believe it was a clear breach of the technical rules of the. It was a technical uh, breach, yeah. Yeah. So, and and in, in the rules of the supercars, the supercars rulebook, uh, any technical breach is a disqualification. So, you know, they can, they can argue it all they like, but it's a, you know. Well, they tried. It's, it's the, in, in the rules. They know that. They've known that yep. for a long time. They're one of the biggest teams in there. They've read that rule book over and over again, and they are, you know, they're just going to have to accept that decision now. Yeah, and I think they have. They have decisions. They've all moved on. So the points standing as it is, Chaz is now uh, leading the Drivers' Championship from Brody and Cam Waters uh, in the one, two, and three spot. So Shane is now 11th, and Brock yep. Feeney is 18th. So, as do you know, do you know where they? Well, I know, I know. Shane would have been first in the championship. Do you know where Fiends would have been if he, if the decision was overturned? No, I didn't. I didn't yeah. work that out. Because uh, no, they were one-two on the Saturday, yeah. and I can't quite recall exactly where Brock finished up on the Sunday's race. Um, no, neither can I. But, but I, he would I, have been I, pretty high up in the. In the I'm pretty stand. sure he'd have been top five at least. Yeah, so, yeah, for yeah. Sure. So it's a, you know that's a big hit to Triple Eight to have those guys so far down now. So you know, but uh, well, look if, if they keep dominating the way they did on the track last week, and I don't think it's going to matter too much. They're both going to be up there by the end of the year anyway. So for sure, see how we go. But uh, 
Yeah, so that's the that's the drivers' championship, teams' championship. Though it was uh, pretty stoked to see first time in the history of Erebus Motorsport they've got themselves on the uh, top step of the uh, of the teams' championship for the uh, yeah first time in the uh, teams' short history. So they've only been around since 2013, but you know, ten years later they've finally got themselves to uh, number one, albeit only round one. But well, as long as we can keep disqualifying the other teams, then we'll be right. <laughs> yeah, straight. <laughs> so. She- should, should be good, but it's good to see them there. Penrite racing in second, so that's uh, pretty impressive for them being a, a second-year team. You know, well, they're a bit, a bit older than that, but since Grove's taken over, they're only a second-year team. So seeing them on uh, on the second in the championship, but that shocked me, actually. I didn't even know this until you posted this run sheet, Dave. Team 18, third in the, uh, in the team's championship. So Yeah, they're sitting pretty. Yeah, that was a, that was a bit of a surprise to me. I would have thought... Um, you know, Tickford and... Tickford had a pretty good weekend, and uh, so did um, oh, who is it? Zibris. They, yeah, they Premier. Had, yeah, Premier. Yeah, Premier. Yeah, Premier. Their cars weren't doing too bad at all. So, Lady. yeah, that was a shock to see Team 18 there, but hey, kudos to them. I did say I thought Frosty was going to go all right in these new cars, so, you know, him and uh, him and Scotty Pye must have done okay to get themselves there. Well, the one that's actually quite glaringly absent from there is DJR. Well, they had a shocker. They had a shocker. Absolutely, you know, homologation teams normally go all right when it comes to a new car, but they were absolutely nowhere, especially Anton. Anton was in the weeds. Yeah, he was a backmarker. He was mm. got lapped. Playing. Yeah, <laughs> he was, actually got lapped. He was up the back playing with the rental boys down the down the back of the field. So uh, yeah, so yeah. they got a lot of soul searching to do before we hit Melbourne next weekend. Definitely. Um, oh, speaking of hitting, then uh, James Courtney's. <laughs> Stack uh, a lot more damage into the chassis railing of the car than was initially thought. They sent yeah. that car back up to Queensland to Pace Engineering to get it all straightened out. And now the biggest problem, I think, for the category isn't necessarily the lack of spares. It's where to bolt them back on. Because if you're going to have problems with repairability, you have a you have a shunt like James did and Declan Fraser did as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, off the start line, nosing into the concrete. If you can't repair your car because your mounting points aren't going to be where they should be, that's going to be a major concern for every team in the lane. Well, you know, we did touch on it in the on the last episode, you know, because we, we heard a little bit about the, the issues. But, yeah, being that that car's had to get sent back to, to pace the, the chassis builders to actually repair that car when supercars has gone on about, you know, the ease of repairability and the, you know, pulling off the front ends and, and putting them back on again so simply and making it much simpler to to repair a car, that that's big news. So that's that's going to cause a, a few issues for everyone in the pit lane if they're going to keep yeah. having issues like that. Yeah. So hadn't had any word on Declan's car compared to James. Everyone's talking about James's car getting bent. Nothing, no. Declan's car ticked for the strangely silent about how much damage or were they able just to take the front clip off and put the new front clip back on, did it all line up and it was all ready to go. But I I can't find anything anywhere about the extent of damage to Declan's car. I don't think there there probably would have been too much damage as we talked about off air before we started because Courtney hit more right side of the car and it wasn't directly square. It was more of a, Sidle, like it was still front on, but it was more to the right. Yeah, on an car, angle, and that's that, that's what's bent it. Whereas Declan's gone flush. straight on, like flush into the wall. So I don't think it would have caused any bending of anything for 
for that incident. So I reckon that car probably would have been all right. They did say it still caused a lot of damage more than it would have with the previous, you know, generation cars. But I don't think because of how flush frontal it's hit the uh, hit the wall, I don't think it's actually caused the sort of damage that it did on Courtney's car, where it's actually bent the uh, the bolts, the bolt-on bits at the front of the car. So. That's but that's an issue because a lot of the time, like how often does a car go flush into the wall? It's never, it's it's very rarely a direct straight-on impact. It's yeah, normally more right. on one side. So if cars are going to be doing this all year, as you said at Melbourne, it's a lot faster of a track than Newcastle. So you have someone spearing off at the uh, you know end of end of the front or back straight into a concrete wall at, at, at Melbourne. That's going to cause a lot of damage to a car. We've we've seen it at Melbourne in the past, so that'll be very interesting. Stay tuned for that one over the season. I'm sure we're probably going to be talking about this a lot more during the course of this season because it seems to be a big deal. Well, I think that's going to take over the number one concern from aero and parity, achieving aero parity and speed parity to repairability. I think the teams are going to be very Mm. nervous, very nervous coming into when they have a shunt. So we'll we'll, uh, obviously keep an eye on this and we'll have a chat about it when it happens because it will happen. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. And let's see if we uh, actually get any of the drivers that are able to talk about it, seeing as, uh, you know, Scaife's claimed that he hasn't gagged anybody. So, you know. Yes. Uh, well, didn't that cause a storm? Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, wait. I was curious to see how he was going to respond to those claims uh, of gagging. And social media blew up as it does, which is it's it's pretty good for a blow up. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, everyone's hooked into to Mark about, uh, conflict of interest where you've got a commentator's role as well as being on the ownership board with TLA. Are you speaking as the owner trying not to have some bad commentary about the new car that hasn't fully been tweaked yet, still developing it? Mm. Are, you, are you telling the drivers that they shouldn't be saying negative things as a commentator or as a owner's hat who's heavily invested in this product succeeding? So I, I can see a clear conflict there. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't believe it too. Well, I, I don't 100% buy into the reply that he that he made, the statement that he made, saying that he was only speaking as his role as a commentator, because commentators don't have the role. They don't go no. to drivers and say what you can and can't say. I mean, that's a, a commentator's no. role is not guiding drivers into making statements or not making statements as they see fit. It's to ask questions and voice your opinion on what 100%. you see. I'm sure sure it's probably clear already that I'm not the biggest fan of Mark Scaife and I don't think he's a, you know, I think he's a bit egotistical and, and just, you know, too far up himself for a lot of things. But in, in terms of the, the conflict of interest there, like it 100% is he had a lot to do with the the design and the build and, and everything with the Generation 3 car. So someone with it says it, it looks bad on him. He brings it out in the commentary. That's a conflict. So, yeah, I know. agree. I agree. And, yeah. and everybody who watches with their own eyeballs and listens with their own ear holes aren't fools. Everybody no. doesn't even factor into the conflict because it's a role that he's performing, dual roles that he's performing. That's where the conflict is. Very similar to when Neil Crompton was a chair on the commission as a commentator as well. So if you're chairing the commission, even temporarily, while commentating on the sport, you're sort of commentating against yourself if there's a situation that uh, needs to be spoken about 
that yeah. might be commission related or like the administration of the sport and you're commentating, but you're on the commission, you're sort of commentating on yourself. You're not really going yeah. to be necessarily unbiased, even though he only had to leave the commission for a, to remove the perception of a bias. He wasn't actually mm. accused of it, but get, you know, get ahead of the game, you know, move on and stick with your commentary role. Scape's so, never going to do that though. Scape well, will never No, do he's that, not. So. <laughs> and I don't think anybody's actually calling for his head to be gone, apart from the standard, we don't like Scave commentating, we just wish he wasn't there. Um, yeah. <laughs> and bring back Russell Engel, for goodness sake. 100%. The enforcer, he was a far better commentator, I reckon. He's no bias whatsoever towards anything, and he was just, you know, he's just great. So I reckon bring back, oh, you know, I do, I do like Neil Crompton as a commentator, but how good would they, how good would the enforcer and the dude as a commentary team be? That'd uh, that'd be something worth watching, I reckon. <laughs> and yeah, it'd spice, spice things up a bit, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it, absolutely. So um, that's kind of the wrap from Newcastle fallout. So Scafie's come out, said his piece. Uh, JC's car's getting repaired up north, and Declan's car obviously sounds like it's just going to be fine because they haven't said it's not. Mm. Um, so that's all Newcastle taken care of and all of that fallout and social media blowups and storms and cars hitting walls, not getting repaired and scaphy gagging drivers and championships going to move on now to the Melbourne round this weekend down at Abel Park, which is all very exciting. We have the yeah. F1, F2, F3, Porsches and supercars on track. Bit of a lineup be great to have. Uh, I'm looking excited to seeing the uh, F2 and F3 cars at uh, Albert Park for the first time. That's gonna be awesome. So, finally, got the feeder series, the uh, Formula One feeder series coming down under for, uh, for the first time. So, that's gonna be great. Get to get to see our, our uh, other young Aussie Jack doing in action. So, that'll be cool. And he's yeah, not definitely. Doing too bad either. Yeah, I mean, there's so only good. a couple of these flyaway rounds out of Europe that the twos and threes go to. So having him in in Australia for the first time is pretty special. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm looking real forward to it. So I don't think I'm going to be able to get there this this weekend, unfortunately, due to our good old family commitments. Yeah, niece, de- niece decided to have her 21st birthday party this weekend, so she's completely screwed my plans to uh to go to the Grand Prix for the weekend. Ah, so. you get another niece. Yeah, I know. Right, thanks for that, Jazz. Yeah, much much appreciated. <laughs> I was kind of hoping, I mean, it's never going to happen, I don't think, in the near future, but I was kind of hoping they would have brought the W Series down as well. That would be cool, yeah. Watch Jamie Chadwick go around and stuff. That would be that'd be interesting, yeah. Is she, is she, no, she's not racing this year. She's Isn't done. She? No, she's in IndyCar now. She's doing the oh, Indy that's Lights. Right. That's yeah. right. That's right. She's uh, jumped out. She's actually no, she, the seat. she cleaned up three championships in a yeah. row in the W Series, and when I've done all I needed to do here, if, I, if you're not going to put me in Formula One, I'll go racing <laughs> race in the States. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good honour. And so, the rest of the girls. Yeah, yeah uh, fair enough. I mean, you know, she's she's clearly, clearly got a, a ton of talent. So if she's not going to be given a seat in, in the main games, in the F2 even or somewhere like that, then, you know, go and try and make a name for yourself in IndyCar. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, the next best open wheel series in the world, why not? Yeah, like Simona. Yeah, exactly. So she's done all right. Danica Patrick, she'd done all right in the, uh, in the Indies before she moved to uh, NASCAR. So... so uh, this is a completely different circuit to Newcastle. Well, the commentary around the supercars racing last week was about the lack of door-to-door racing and 
the circuit sort of lends itself to that as well. It's a bit harder on a narrow street circuit to really line up and put as many moves on as you would on a racetrack circuit. But this is a fast flowing track, which is more a traditional race circuit style rather than a street circuit. Mm. So we will really find out if this aero parody has actually been successful or not as they uh, stretch their legs down the front and back straights effectively. Yeah, no, that'll be very interesting to see. So it's a little bit little bit wider than Newcastle as well, I think, in a lot of parts. So it might be, uh, you know, there's historically it's never been a big passing track, so I don't think we're still going to get to see whether or not they're, you know, going to be doing great for passing other than turn one and turn three. I don't think there's really many parts on the Adelaide, on the Adelaide, on the uh, Melbourne circuit stuff. Adelaide, they don't get the Grand Prix anymore <laughs> on the uh, – on, on the Melbourne circuit, they've uh, yeah turn turn one and turn three is pretty much your only options to try and make a move. But you know, in terms of actual fast pace flowing circuits, it's definitely about as opposite as you're going to get from Newcastle. So yeah, it's see, because they see took they turn go. ten out, they took the dog leg out of turn ten. Where yeah, was like a late dive under break. Yeah, I don't understand that. They they said they changed that track to make racing better, and I thought, well, you took one of the best passing opportunities Correct. out. You, yeah, you turned it into a, into a nothing corner. I went that baffled me the changes to that race. So, but uh, I had many a discussion with one of my mates who uh, is sadly passed on last year. But we had many discussions over that one, and uh, neither of us, you know, both massive F one fans were very happy with that change at all because it was just that that was one of the most exciting turns on the track, and they got rid of it. So. Mm. Is what it is now, though. Like that's made it. They just increased the terminal speed down at turn eleven. Basically, that hard right hander. Um, yeah, which you can now make a a big lunge if you're good enough. Yeah, if you got the balls to go through that one side by side. But uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Got to got to have some big ones for that. But uh, another thing in terms of we, we've gone through the F1, so that'll be interesting. You know, well, let's be honest, it's probably going to be the Red Bull show again. And he's going to be for this entire year in F1. But uh, one of the things in terms of the, uh, the supercars being there was they've moved the grid spots back. So the top front front six rows of the grid for supercars, they'll actually be starting pole position for the supercars will actually be starting from the fourth row of the grid because the new Gen 3 cars don't have as good a visibility of the old ones and the front three rows, they thought they might be issue with actually seeing the light gantry to start the race. So the pole position will actually be starting from effectively P5 and, uh, no, the P7 and P8. So, yeah, first, uh, you know, on, on the F1 grid. So that's a, that's just, just a little something that, you know, it's not, not really massive, but it's a, you know, it's a thing. It's just a thing. Yeah. If you can't see the lights, you can't start. <laughs> That's it. You know, you, you, you don't you don't want the first three rows of the grid sitting there thinking the lights haven't gone out, and and, and the fourth row of the grid going, it's game, it's game. Like we're off. Them. Yeah, yeah. yeah Plowing plow, plow right. into the back of the sixth place car. That's just we all know how well that works when out. you remember what happened to Thomas Randall parked up at the front oh, yeah. of the grid. And, yeah. So uh, no. Think think it's definitely a wise move for uh, for supercars to to move them back a little bit. But uh, uh, I had no choice. It's just a thing that has to happen. But uh, it does bring it. it in. I don't know about the other circuits now. I don't know how close the start lights are from the actual pole. No, well, it will be will be interesting. Like, I'm I'm just trying to think back to like places like Bathurst and stuff because I think they're pretty close to the front of the grid at ba- and Bathurst and stuff. And SMP, so, I think they yeah, have an so, overhead. They have an overhead, yeah. don't they? Yeah, I believe so. So Philip you know, Island's got a Philip Island's got an overhead, but we're not racing at the moment. But yeah, 
So there might be a few issues at a couple of other tracks later in the year. We'll see how that goes. But, yeah, uh, you know. It's just a thing it's, that they have to – it's just another thing. Add it to the list, yeah? <laughs> yeah, add it to the list of things they didn't think about with the Gen 3 car when they uh, yeah. they brought it all in. So you know, Unintended consequences, yeah. Uh, yeah. That'll, that'll be interesting. But uh, I'm excited, you know, as once again, I probably won't be at the F1, unfortunately, but I'll be watching it all on television or on my phone if I'm in the car driving up to New South Wales. And I'll give you a wave, mate. I'll get my yeah, mug thanks, on mate. the telly somewhere and I'll give you a wave. Yeah, thanks, mate. So be interesting, uh, you know, interesting to see how young Oscar goes in his first race. It, he is his home Grand Prix. He's a born and bred Melbourne boy. So He is. Brighton boy, I think. Uh, yeah, well, I, know, I know he's he's very local, so I can't remember if he's Brighton or not. Shouldn't should know. A good mate of mine is uh pretty good friends with his old man. So I thought he's somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, but uh, hopefully he doesn't have that damage that they copped at the start over in Saudi, so they don't have to come into the pits on the first lap and actually show what he can actually do because we know the kid can drive. Oh, he definitely can. Well, he out, well, out qualified Lando because he had engine issues, but you know he's he's shown that he's definitely got the pace to keep up with Lando and pass him. He finished above him in the race, even though Lando said he let him pass. But well, know, again, we're talking we'll team orders again, aren't we? So <laughs> don't make it too hard. I think yeah, is the word that came over the radio. Don't make it too hard for Oscar. Yeah, see how that goes. But Lando was probably a little bit annoyed considering the fact that the. Uh, Damage caused to his car. I think it was you that told me actually came off the uh, the damage caused to Lando's car. The, the bit that came off Lando's car actually landed on, uh, sorry, on, on, on Piastri's car, landed on, on Lando's car. Yeah, yeah. Piastri's car bit. So, yeah. Friendly fire, that one. Yeah. It yeah. is a bit odd so, when the rookie gets the preference from that. the team. Like, it is a bit odd when the rookie gets the preference from the team order. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, it's uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's never never a good thing for a developed driver to have the rookie getting uh, getting preference. So, ouch, that hurts. Mm. <clears throat> yep, certainly does. So that's so pretty close to. We're just going to wait and see what happens now at at the GP weekend. The other big news that was confirmed this week was the. Camaro being ceasing production in 2024. They're going to move their, our Chevy moving their production over to an EV platform. So, yeah, so that's uh, that's huge. I mean, we all knew it was coming. It's been talked about for years, but you know, we now now that it has been officially confirmed, it does throw a uh, a bit of a spanner in the works for supercars and what they intend to do beyond 2025 that they've committed to the Camaro. So, so that's going to be uh. That's going to be rather interesting. So they've said they're committed to GM. Does that mean we get a Corvette and supercars? Oh, I don't know. So, I mean, GM really only got the Cadillac or the, or the Corvette that they can put in there. So, and I don't, I don't see them going back to a saloon car style. So it sounds like they're aiming for a Corvette in supercars, which, you know, I, I love the Corvette. It's a sports car, not a, not a muscle car. So see how we go with that. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> just a, we're just still writing out the pain of Gen 3 at the moment. And... If we're going to go through the whole <laughs> development and homologation and aero and testing, which we will need to do, there's no doubt. But I don't know how many fans are going to put up with it. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah. If, I mean, and do we end up going, <laughs> God forbid, to being a single manufacturer category, like a, a NASCAR or a Trans Am category, where we don't have a GM and a Ford product or another manufacturer and a Ford product? Do we end up just having... Of a single manufacturer, and that'll be the death of the sport. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, I was going to say I don't think that's going to work. It's not. It's never been that way. It's never 
it's always been you know the rivalry that's what's that's what's made supercars supercars for as long as we've had it really is that battle between holden and ford general motors versus ford to you know keep the fans and give them that you know the clash if you if you make it a one make series i don't think people are going to be anywhere near as interested so we need to get more manufacturers into the sport that's what they need to do they need to start working on getting more manufacturers into the sport i think that's my opinion anyway so well it's a bit hard like where do they come from because you're after well, you're needing a team to drive that car, and yeah. we're not bringing new teams in to the sport. That's clear with the no. charter only having twenty six TRCs written in stone. So unless there's teams that are walking out and somebody wants to buy their team, we're not bringing any new blood in. So I can't see anybody who's just invested seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a new car flicking over and going to go get themselves a, a BM or a Jag or a, or a, a Volvo or a Nissan and come back into the sport, you know? No, no, it's definitely an issue. So we'll see it. We'll see how we go, but that's going to be a talking point for the next uh, couple of years at least, I think, is where is the direction going, especially now Camaro has gone. So, you know, what direction do we head in? Do we get more manufacturers? Do General Motors bring in a sports car rather than a muscle car, which we've never had? That's going to, you know, people have said they don't want it to go down the GT route, and that's that's effectively where it's going to go. If they bring in the, the Corvette, it's going to make it much more like GT racing air. So, you Didn't know, they bring out a GT3? Interesting. We'll see how Camaro. we go. Didn't they just launch a GT3 Camaro? Yeah, yeah, they have, yep. So well, I think that was a couple of years back, but they, they did bring one in, but. I don't think it's done so well. They've got the Corvette in there anyway, so I don't know why they bothered, but they did have one. Hmm. But uh, it's gone now anyway, so, you know, that's, uh, yeah. That's just something for us. It's in the future, but it's going to hit us pretty quickly. We're at 2023 now. What we've got, so we've got another three years out of this car. We'll just end up getting it sorted out. And then uh, the conversation has to kind of start next year, I'd say. Like, if looking for 2020. Well, yeah, you don't want to. Five, 26 on, 26 on. You can't yeah. have that conversation six months down 2025. No, you don't want to be leaving it till the last minute. So they're going to have to start that next year at the very latest and give at least a couple of years to decide which car comes in. So mm. see how we go. Other than that, supercars, what else do we have going on? We've got what else is coming up? The, Bathurst uh, six hours popping hours up in a couple of weeks. weeks away, isn't it? So two weeks. Bathurst six hour will be, will be kicking off. They've got uh, the GTs and GT4 slash Aussie production cars are on the supports for that. And they've also got the Pulsars as well as the XLs. Nice. They've got the National Pulsar. Pulsars. Here's some Pulsars right, zooming around. Yeah. As a support category. So that's kicking off shortly. A couple of the supercars drivers have picked themselves up a ride. I see Anton's got himself a seat uh, with the BM, I think. Nice. Yeah, well, they've got a few. I think Chazzy's going back again as well, so... I think SVG normally likes you, but I haven't heard anything about him getting a ride this year. So yeah, I'm not sure if he's doing this. See how we uh, see how we go. Hmm. No, I haven't heard anything. So maybe it was announced pretty late last year that he was. So maybe hmm. he will. But it's always nice to have a few of the big supercars drivers up there for that production race. So pit the uh, you know the the proper amateurs against the uh, against the big boys. See how they go. So yeah, cool. So after that, after six hour, then we roll into Perth which is back to our more traditional circuit-style track, uh, high tyre deg. So with the super softs and the softs that we've got at the moment, that's going to play into the strategy even more, again, than just your basic aero and seeing the start lights from the from the front row. But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be keen to see what happens with the tyres there and who manages them better 
with these types of cars to see if they can actually get some door-to-door racing. And the top teams like Red Bull, who are really good at conserving their tyre life, will probably benefit from from that. Yeah, see how they go. And that I think Perth's probably going to be our first track where it is pretty well known to have some good passing opportunities. So you've got turn one, turn coming into turn six and, and the last corner at turn seven as well. So there's actually a few pretty good passing opportunities on that track also. So that'll be our first real indication, I think, on, a as you said, a, a more, you know, standard circuit that see how these cars actually do go, whether they can race close together and they can pass each other. So can they go door to door? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll find that out at Perth. Yep. Well, all of that. It's a short <laughs> one this week, hopefully. So uh, we'll probably just wrap up with our with our jabber. Following this now, surely there's a – I had an interview. I had a chat with Chris Shear, one of the flaggies down in Tassie. Uh, it was actually a marathon chat. Like it's way longer than we anticipated it to, to go. So uh, I've – Chopped up the best bits and the, done an edit. So following this now, have, stick around, have a listen to how the, the role of flag marshalling actually is controlled at a circuit, their, their roles and when and how they actually keep the course under control. So it's very informative for me on learning about the, uh, the behind the scenes, all the, the technical aspects to being a flag marshal it's not just a couple of blokes standing in a bunker waving flags willy-nilly and uh chris explains extraordinarily well the actual whole whole system of um be nice and uh doing even i'm looking forward to having to listen to that one because i was a little little bit little bit out of action yesterday when you'd done yeah. that recording so i <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm 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 looking forward to that. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> yeah, so I've, uh, I'll po- I'll post the whole interview up on YouTube unedited. If you can care to uh, follow that, if you want to just listen to the whole interview, but short- we're shortening it up for um, the potty so it doesn't run on for like three hours. So that's coming up next. And once again, big thank you to Game Life for sponsoring a potty for all of your streaming accessories and peripherals and uh, consoles and bits and pieces like you need. Once again, gamelife.com.au. And we will talk to you after the Melbourne round with no doubt a whole bunch of new controversies that we don't even know about just yet. There'll be some more drama at the track without doubt. So good luck to everybody down in Melbourne. And 100%. Yeah, get your backside, uh, trackside. Come round say also, Definitely. Also, don't forget to uh, check us out on our socials as well. So we've got Chat with the Hat, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, is there any other ones? Yeah, I think you've got a TikTok uh, as well. So There is a yeah. TikTok, but we don't really use it much yet at the moment. But uh, the podcast is available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. So share it around. Give us a review. Give us a five-star review. Uh, we need it just to get us up the rankings with the AI, with the algorithm. So jump on, give us a review. Tell us what's good, what's bad, uh, what we should or shouldn't do. We'll um, we'll take that feedback on board. So even if you just hit play and walk away, (laughs) it still counts. So, yeah, share it Every little bit helps. Every little bit helps. Every little bit helps, yeah. So uh, we'll have – Tell us what you like. Jump on on our socials. Yeah, we need – just need a – 
just give us a rating, just give us a tick and give us a listen and share it around to your mates and get in touch. Otherwise, we'll uh, see you down at the track. That's it. That's it. Hopefully, uh, next time I'm at the track, we'll uh, see you there as well. Dave will be at Melbourne, so say hello to him if you see him. He's friendly. He doesn't bite much, so go and say hello. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. All right, mate. Thanks for your time again, Rowan. Um, It's been a punish. We've had issues again with the connection, and we'll just persevere. So I'll chop it up as best as we can, and I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, see you uh, yeah, next next Monday. Not tomorrow, but yeah, next Monday. We're filming this on Sunday, so see, see, see you in a week and a bit. <laughs> Cheers, mate. See ya. Okay, Chat with a Hat Faithful. We have another interview today, and today we are talking with uh, Chris Shear, a flaggy from Tasmania. Been doing it for a few years now so we will learn the ins and outs of the process of being a flag marshal without these guys racing doesn't even happen so just before we kick off got to give a big plug to game life gamelife.com.au jason sweeney he's a big supporter of our potty so he gives us all our equipment that we've been using for recording and all your peripherals that you need for all of your streaming, gaming, online gaming, accessories, gamelife.com.au. Make sure you check him out. He supports us, so we support him. So now we're going to kick off with the interview and welcome Chris Shear. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Uh, yeah, great to be here. Excellent, mate. Well, let's kick off with about you, a little bit about you first before we get to the tin tack stuff. So how long have you been a flag marshal? Yeah, so I started back in late 2016, so coming up on, on seven years pretty much, um, constant. Uh, it's been uh, events at uh, club, state and, and national level. I uh, haven't, haven't mentioned anything big as Formula 1 yet, but um, yeah, maybe one day. Yeah, ah, drop uh, on down this weekend, mate. <laughs> that's it. It's, um, no, it all started for me out of all the silly ways that you can fall into something. It started with a Facebook algorithm, believe it or not. Facebook just matched my interests with, or in motorsport with a motorsport event that was happening in my area, which was run by CAMS as it was back then. I was come and try day at Baskerville Raceway, which is six kilometres from home. And it's like, Ah, you're a southerner. Yeah, yeah I'm a southerner. Uh, best end. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> so it's Cascade, not Bogues? That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, we, we do have our own acronym for Bogues down here. What's that? Beginning of a good shit. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Tazzy, seriously, there's a line in the Midlands, right across the Midlands. You guys will have your own. You'll be the first one to have a civil war. Yeah, pretty much. It's, uh, yeah, there's, there's that uh, line. It's, uh, we say it's Oatlands. Uh, it should be Tunbridge because that's that's technically the last southern town. So, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we usually have, have the old joke of uh, shut the gate on your way in or out or whatever else. It's uh, but yeah, like I say, of all the all the silly ways of falling into it, it was just yeah, Facebook algorithm matching my interest in motorsport to an event that was happening at a racetrack near me. Went along to it, having been a fan of motorsport since I was a kid. Anyway, uh, it was something I wanted to get into sooner. Uh, would have done if I knew how. Uh, didn't know anybody uh, that did it. Didn't know where to start. Um, had been to races beforehand. 
at Simmons Plains uh, when supercars had, had been down here. But um, yeah, it wasn't until that that Facebook uh, interest match uh, by their algorithm that uh, I, was, I was able to finally take that step and, and get involved. Finally, the internet is being used for good. Yeah, and Facebook especially, believe it or not. <laughs> and no trolling required. Yeah, exactly. Um, they trolled me in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so six years ago then, what was the process? Where'd you go? How'd you get in? Yeah, so uh, it was just go along to that uh, come and try day, RSVP, yep, going. Uh, went along, the session was taken by an experienced flaggy, who at the time I think himself had, had been doing it for maybe 10 plus years, I think, uh, from memory. Um, yeah, went, went through it all, uh, enjoyed it, and then had the option at the end of the day to just fill out some paperwork, which would give me an official's licence, uh, which is which is needed to do anything uh, trackside at, at any event. And within a couple of weeks, I was waving place at my first event. And which was that? Where was your first one? Where did you break yeah, the so cherry? For, yeah, so first event was uh, 2016 Basketball Historics. Uh, so that was um, yeah, literally two weeks after I'd after I'd officially become an official. I've never actually been to Baskerville Track. I've seen it on TV, but I've never actually been there. I've only ever been to Simmons Plains. Baskerville looks to me like it's like a baby Bathurst, as far as the, you got the incline, you got it coming down. Like there's elevation yep. changes, there's tight corners and some couple of yep. couple of yep. straights. You've got the, yeah, you've got the elevation change, but also when you have a look at an aerial. It has similar sort of a, a shape in its layout to Queensland Raceway as well. Ah, oh, a bit uh, of a paperclip that goes in and back at it. Yeah, so, sort of. It, it's got, got some S's, um, yeah, whereas you know, QR is just a straight-out paperclip um, yeah, style is. shape. But, uh, yeah, it's it's similar in shape, but, yeah, it does have a set of S's. Uh, yeah, you've got the undulation change like um, like Bathurst. So, yeah, it's, it, it's only about uh, two k's long. So, yeah, it's it's all just uh, packed in tightly. Yeah, okay. All right, so now you're a flaggy, and now you've got your first your first gig down at Baskerville. Yep. So what is a first-time flaggy or official? Were you flaggy at the time? Was that your role then, or was it um, just official them somewhere else or pit lane? Yeah, no, or... I was, that, that was as, as a flag, yeah. So all, all the events that I've, I've done have purely been as a flag. Excellent. And have you ever raced cars yourself? Were you a, a racer as a young bloke or a fan of racing and watching cars? Nah, fan of. Um, it lacked three things to do any racing proper myself, uh, that being equipment, money and talent. Oh, like me. <laughs> <laughs> I spend yeah. my money watching the blokes that can. Yeah, yeah that's it. So, uh, yeah, I, I now sit in, sit in a bunker and uh, tell the blokes that are out there doing it what's going on around them. Perfect. Well, that's a great segue. Then we'll uh, work out. Let, let you explain to everybody how that actually works, the actual technicality of the role. Let me kick off with, um, is there any specific training that you guys do with the other services as well? Or like fill us in. Yeah, so there's, there's no specific training that we do uh, as flaggies, but every now and again we might get our fire and rescue guys that might run a training course or something like that. And we're always welcome to, to go to those. It, it can be an advantage to go to those because in case we're ever called on to assist with anything of that nature, we can actually know what their role is, what they need us to do, and go about actually helping them to make the whole process more efficient. Yeah, typically, at a race event, we wouldn't just hop the fence and, and do that. 
simply because everything is tightly controlled. Uh, we have to be given clearance by race control to enter a track at any time. Having said that, it's still handy to have, have those, uh, those secondary skill sets, I guess you could call them, just in case you, you are called on to, to offer some kind of assistance. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a, that point you just raised then about uh, race control, which is what it's in the it's in the name. They're race control. That's they right. control everything, and it's an integration of services that actually make racing happening. So uh, you have your flag marshals, you have your pit lane marshals, you have your fire crews, you have your medical crews, you have your recovery crews. Yeah, you've got your paddock crews as well, uh, which look after your uh, your support categories, etc. There are a few subcategories that go into running a race meeting, and then there's also the other side of it, uh, which is yeah, crowd control marshals. Uh, well, not necessarily crowd control, but um, like your, your ushers and your your people on the gates, your parking attendants. They all are on another side of the fence as far as um, as far as the beneficials go. Yeah, but they're still part of the group. Absolutely. Without any of those things, without any any one of those elements, any one of those services, racing doesn't happen. It's as simple it. as that. The drivers get the glory. The teams are pushing hard. It's their money. It's their coin. This is their business. But without volunteers, globally, F1 this weekend, Melbourne, there'll be an entire army of volunteers. Yeah, absolutely. Without them, it doesn't happen. And it doesn't it. matter. And it, it doesn't matter what level of motorsport you go to. It, it's, it, as you say, all in one, it's as global as it gets. Yep. Run, Beautiful. Runs with volunteers. Yep. So... Yeah, none of, none of us get paid. doesn't matter whether we do a local event. Uh, we can go into state and do events if we want to. We, we've got some officials from down here in Tassie that are flying over for the F1. I'm not sure if they left last week or they're leaving this week. But, yeah, we can, we can certainly go and do other events in other states, but that's on our time and it's on our coin. So we don't get accommodation paid for or anything like that. Airfares, travel, travel fees, all, all that sort of stuff, that's on us. And quite simply, we do it because we love motorsport. And we need you and we love you for that. And we need you to get all the recognition for all of your colleagues, every single service. You really need to be appreciated because without you, that silent army, it doesn't happen. And and unfortunately, social media is good for a blow up. <laughs> so, as, and, as we all know. Yeah, and they pile in. Like people will pile in when they'll see something that they think should be happening quicker, faster, better, yep. in a better manner. And then they take their frustration or opinions out on the volunteers who are doing yep. their role on their coin with the training that they do have, depending on the role they've got. That's and right. they don't quite understand that it's not just a free-for-all. It's, it's not just you guys just have a set of policies and rules that are in place to keep everybody alive yeah correct yeah absolutely at the end yeah. of the day you, get, yeah, you can't exactly. just jump the and, and we'll we'll talk about that now we'll talk about generics we don't have to go into yeah. specific incidences and work stuff out but there are a few recent examples that we can use for uh explaining the process to everybody as to what actually happens yeah. so i think the most recent one and two that are probably poignant to this conversation of, of informing everybody. Uh, Newcastle, the, the Aussie racing car, uh, nine-car pileup yep. on, on the top of the turn, top of the hill there. And last year at 
Gold Coast down on the beach chicane, which left actually where I was sitting and watched the whole thing unfold 15 metres in front of me, was another incident that had uh, a complex yeah. situation to manage as well. Yeah. So in, an, in a circumstance of this nature, let, let's take the, the Aussie racing car situation here. Coming around the blind turn straight circuit, there's a flag point. Um, oh, here's another point too. Flag points have to be within lo- line of sight of each other, don't they? Uh, they do, yes. They, they, you do need to be able to see the one upstream or downstream. Uh, down, downstream is probably not as important as upstream. Uh, so uh, where the traffic's coming from, because yeah, obviously if somebody's got to yell out for an incident, you need to see their yellow to get to uh, cancel out with their green. Well, not not cancel it out, but um, give the drivers the all clear to get going again. Yes, yeah. right. So so taking that into position, uh, everyone has all these flag positions are there within line of sight of each other for direct communication, just like with flags, and you can see yeah. what they're doing and what's happening, and then you have yeah. a response. The, the incident that happened at, at Newcastle as, as the cars came around, ran a bit wide, hit the tyre bundle, next bloke came with him, um, one in, all in. Then it was like nine cars going along. Tell us from the flag station's point of view what they would have done when the first car went in. Okay, so you're looking at your, your first car go in and what you're immediately looking for is, is that car going anywhere under its own power and how quickly is it likely to happen? You haven't got long to sum that up either. So you've actually got to sum that up sometimes in, in that sort of time. That's not a lot of time. So you know, if you can ascertain that car's not going anywhere anytime soon, then yep, you're getting your yellow flag out as quickly as you can. If it's in the middle of the track, if it's rebounded off a tyre wall, you'd probably look at going a double yellow simply because of the fact that competitors not just only have to slow down, and maybe change direction, they may have to come to a complete stop. So all of that, you've got to sum up very quickly with cars that can be doing, depending on your corner, they can be doing 80, 100 k's an hour or more even. Uh, like I say, just depending on the corner, that one at Newcastle, not familiar with the circuit, uh, but it looked to be a 90-degree bend. Is that, that yeah. about right? Yeah, it was a lefty. Yeah, 90-degree lefty. Yeah, 90-degree yeah. Yeah, left. So yeah, there comes a time as well where the approaching cars have already shifted their focus away from you and they may not necessarily see your flag. They've shifted their focus onto that apex and that accounts for your your next one, two cars in, especially in the event they're following closely like the Aussie cars usually do. Um, while a lot of it looks like flags aren't coming out quickly, like there was one instance there that I saw the replay, the flag was out within a couple of seconds. It, was, it looked to be pretty... Pretty damn good uh, reactions for, for what had happened, and yet you still had your stacks on. So, like I say, a lot of it's going to be where a driver's already shifted focus and they're not going to have seen the flag. And it's not going to be until maybe four or five cars back that they're going to see it and start to slow down. But then, because of the concertina effect and everybody already piling in, oh, where's the incident? There it is. I'm in it now, too. Yeah. So, Exactly yeah. right. So, you can yeah, put a you can put a flag out like they did in a couple of seconds. It's not going to change the behaviour of the speed of those cars in that moment at that time to make any difference whatsoever. It's a no, warning no. to everyone coming behind yeah. that there's now a problem and they need to. Now, can you explain the difference? Because personally, I didn't even know between the yellow and the double yellow. Yeah. So your single yellow would be, uh, say, you've got one. 
against the tyre bundle, side on, not necessarily on, on racing line. Like a hazard. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it, it's it's basically a hazard. Uh, you you need to slow down. You may need to change direction. Yeah, but yeah, and just be careful because of those reasons. Your double yellow, on the other hand, uh, means that uh, in a nutshell, you've you may need to stop, not just change direction. You may need to come to a complete stop. It could be because that something's blocking the track or partially blocking the track. Could even be that uh, a driver's got out of the car. Uh, yep. As soon as soon as there are feet on the ground, you go straight to a double yellow. Gotcha. That, that could be for a driver. It could be for a recovery crew. Kangaroo. Uh, yeah, well, that <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time a place like Bathurst, would it? Bathurst, yeah, so, echidnas. Yeah, echidnas, <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, yeah, it's, um, that's, a, that's a different place, that one. Oh, it's, it's um, unique. Yeah, but you, yeah, your, um, your, your double yellow means it, – it's basically – Basically, an extreme caution warning. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, like I say, you could have just, it could just be something as simple as something blocking the track, or there's someone close by the track edge. But it's uh, yeah, it's yeah, and under no circumstances should you be passing under either of them anyway. Correct. As well. Yeah. So, in using this example, we'll just st- stay with this example um, yep. as a reference, and the the yellows are out, the cars are in. There's a nine car pile up. Everybody else has now seen the yellows. This is this is on the onus of the flaggy at the closest marshalling point because he's the one that sees it. Yeah, then. absolutely. Then, yeah. So then, how does the a response yeah. kick in for everybody else to kick in? Okay, so yeah, with your setup, you've usually got what usually going to have a minimum of two flaggies ready to deploy flags. One will be facing upstream, one will be facing downstream, and they'll be facing each other. The reason for that is for hazard detection and avoidance. Uh, it's easier to get somebody's attention uh, by facing than what it is to try and reach around behind you. But, yeah, you'll have your person who's facing upstream will be ready to go with a green flag in case the, the upstream station... Uh, Do you mean they're up. looking over each other's shoulders? Correct. So yep. they're facing so each other, but face. they're also they're looking at the next station, but they're looking past each other at the next station. That's right, yeah. So... Uh, one will have their back to oncoming traffic. Yep. And one will have, have their, that will be looking towards on, on, oncoming traffic. With the markets facing oncoming traffic, they're looking for a yellow at the previous play point. Yep. And you go with, with a green in case that's, uh, that occurs. So, yeah, that's why line of sight is absolutely essential for an up, to, to look upstream in particular. It's uh, yeah, so it's it's at, at the instant that the yellow flag goes out, that the flag at the next station should get that visual prompt at least to go out with the green. Right, that's, that's that's how that's how that occurs, in, all running smoothly. Cool. So in this instance here, continuing with this reference, now the track's blocked. Simple yep. as that. No one's getting through. Well, everyone has to come to a crawl. I personally can't remember if it was double yellows that were being shown on that corner, if it was just yellow. But at some yeah, point, race control needs to like while this is happening, you guys are on the button to uh, race yeah, control. You've, you've got yeah, you've, you've got a communicator on, on that point that's actually radioing through to the race control what's going on. Uh, yet we've got X amount of cars, whatever the case may be, track blocked, partially blocked, nobody's going anywhere, engines are dead. You know, you're reporting all those things. And then, yeah, race control will act on that information to decide whether a safety car is warranted. 
Right. So in this circumstance, there are drivers that need to get out of the cars because some of the, oh, there was a big hit too. Like some of the, well, everybody was limping. <laughs> they, oh, that, yeah, some of those hits were massive. Yeah, that pink midis car, that T-bone, that second, that secondary impact, that yeah. the secondary collision they were involved in, mm. that got air. That car was that was a full T-bone on the left-hand side of the car, and yeah, it wasn't real flash. But at this point now, uh, safety cars been deployed. Yep. Prior to that. You guys can't jump the fence and go and assist, even though you're the closest guys. Like, how? Explain to everybody the the process of when and how you can enter the circuit. When the circuit becomes safe, other as opposed to a green circuit, even though there's flags flying, it doesn't mean that the circuit's actually safe yet until the safety car picks up the train. Is that right? That that's correct. Yeah. So. Safety car's got to pick up the train. It will typically come out and pick up the leader. Uh, and as we all know, uh, whenever a safety car comes out, those that haven't been picked up yet will just continue to blaze around until they catch Correct. up to the train. Yep. So it's not until a race director is satisfied that – I'll just excuse the sound of a dog barking there in back there. <laughs> That's all good, mate. Dogs <laughs> yeah, are dogs. The, the, yeah, the, the, the wife's just got home. He's a, he's a mama's boy. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, as we know – Cars will just continue to blaze around until they catch the back of that train. Mm-hmm. And once once a race director has, has become satisfied that the track's neutralised, only then will they authorise people to to get, enter and clear debris, clear cars, uh, all, all that sort of thing. Other, otherwise, up until that point, everything is visual. If you're um, if you're checking on a driver's condition, you're just looking, you're just look, you know, giving a thumbs up like that to inquire if they're okay. Yeah, and if if, that, if you can see signs of movement, they come back with, with the thumbs up like that, then yeah, you know that they're okay. Yeah, uh, which yeah. yeah, which is obviously a big step to cover cover off on. As for entering the track, yeah, you only ever do it once race control and the race director are absolutely satisfied that track is neutralised and they give you the okay to go. So at that point, when they call for safety car boards and flags, safety car enters the circuit, picks up the train, has control of the field. Everybody's now doing what's I don't know what the speed 80 Ks, I think. Is it the 80 Ks? Uh it's typically it would be around about that, but that, that speed can be varied at any stage by depending by on the depending, circuit depending on and the, the conditions and yep. Yep. whatever yep. else yep. is going exactly. on. Yep. So it's, it's it's another moving part. Another yep, yeah, fair call. So at that moment when when the track's under control is no longer green, the track is no longer yep. fast. That's when they will deploy the recovery vehicles. The yep. medical have already been de- like they're entering the circuit yep. now. It's safe. The yep. fire guys will zoom around as well yep. in case there's going yep. to be some flash ups. Yep. So, are you guys then allowed to leave your marshal station and enter the circuit, or do you stay exactly where you are unless called upon? Uh, so it depends on what needs to be done. Uh, if it's track clean out debris, then yes, with brakes, yep, get control the brooms clearance. out. Yep, exactly. Brooms, shovels, yep, all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, with race control clearance at that point, yes, we can enter and and do that do that solar cleanup. Kitty litter for uh, all the fluids. Kitty litter for oil, coolant, all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, I've been there and, and done that bit myself. Um, typically, you'd take only as many people as you need because you don't want people just standing around. You also want at least want to have a spotter back on point when cars are coming and 
if they've got all their equipment with them, they'll have a whistle. They'll blow that whistle to let you know that the field's coming. Um, oh, yeah, like the pit lane yeah. marshals when the yeah, car travels down the lane, marshals, whistle, 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 whistle. Yep, yep exactly, yep. Uh, so Simplest, yeah, most effective uh, alert you can get. Forget radios exactly. and chatter and yep. stuff. It's just whistle. Exactly, yep. Yeah, because obviously marshals on track, you're going to be tied up with what you're doing. You're going to have eyes on that. Your attention's going to be on that. Personally, I still glance up and look at and see if traffic's coming. But, yeah, to have someone there you know, with some sort of audio alert, as it were, yeah, that's um, bloody handy. So how many crew are in a in a bunker? Uh, depend on the event. Uh, the level, well, depends on the level of the event, the venue. Somewhere like supercars, using Simmons Plains as an example, that's my main circuit as far as supercars goes. Uh, I usually work on the hairpin. And down there, we would have three or four flags. So you'd have two actually actively on, on flags at any one time. And your other two, they'd be set up the same way as what the two guys on flags are. But what they're doing is they're acting as spotters. So with the hairpin, you've got your, your entry and your exit. And it's, it's a 180 degree event. You can't be scanning everywhere all the time. So what you would have in that, in that instance where you've got enough people is you'll have your two guys that are active on flags just uh, looking over each other's shoulders. Uh, you might have your spotter looking at the exit. And then they they can actually point out anything that's happened, spinners, whatever else, and then you can go from there. Yeah, and, and one of those guys will have a radio to, to race control to be able to call anything that's happened, that's, that's been seen, whatever the case may be. It might be contact, collision, somebody's got rubbing body work, whatever. Well, I remember Sorry. down in Tassie for the uh, when I ran into you at the Speed Series, the yep. ARG Speed Series down there. Uh, Timmy Slade, <laughs> innocent victim. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but that was down on your corner. That was uh, it. Was yeah, and I didn't actually see the initial contact uh, simply because where that flag point is, it's on the inside of the corner, mm-hmm. and it's a bit of a dog leg from where we see it as well. So it, we could see the aftermath, but we couldn't see the cause. So yeah, we. We suspected he'd been hit, but with all the congestion and cars close together and everything. Oh else, yeah, yeah, it was off. I mean, it, it all looks so easy to, to pick apart uh, from that TV camera angle. It, yeah, it looks fantastically easy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, when you're at ground level, like uh, like at the hairpin there, and you've got them hurtling towards you, doing anywhere up to you know 180, 190 clicks, you, you don't get a lot of time to, to unpick much. Uh, in in real time, and uh, you don't get a replay. Yeah. No, no, we don't. We don't get the, the option. To, uh, no. the available you just see a car turn sideways, hits the wall. Now it's leaking. Get the key yeah, leader. Yeah, you you see it or you don't. And um, yeah, that's that's like yeah, we like I say we, we suspected he he hit someone. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the replays obviously yeah, showed that uh, that he was hit by someone. But yeah, that left a bit of a mess that one. Yeah, I think it was a braking zone issue, whereas um, young bloke thought he needed a brake maybe about 20 metres later than he should have, <laughs> just yep. having yeah, to have a car in the way. <laughs> always a braking issue down there, always. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's not, not the first uh, incident we've had down there and won't be the last. Oh, it definitely would not be the last. <laughs> <laughs> and bring on May, we'll find out some more. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. But it's, uh, no, it's, that, that thing is late, is it left oil? Full yeah. diameter of the track, and yeah, geez, we had a bit of a hold up for clean up after that race too. 
Well, that's that that's true, but it needed to be done. But the TCRs yeah. were coming on course next. Like the feature race yeah. was up next, and yeah, yep. that was right in their breaking zone. Like oh, right when they oh, were yeah, dropping and- the dropping the foot down yeah. so i was i was the one uh, that was caught on camera you know spilling the kitty litter on it i was the one that was cleaning up uh, in between uh in between runs and the whole time you've got um race control wanting to know what's going on how long's going to take it As at one point there i actually said well yeah i've got uh insert expletive ton of oil up here so uh, <laughs> I used I use those words and yeah, but uh, yeah, I was going as quick as I could. But uh, look, absorbent takes its time. You can't just throw it on, mm. brush it off. It needs actually to soak up the fluid. Yep. Um. Actually, yep. by the way, what do you guys use? Is it is it um coconut husk powder or like a chemi- like a like an absorbent um dry chemical or? Kitty litter? I'm not actually not actually sure what it is. Uh, yeah, which which refer to as kitty litter. Yeah, yeah, we all yeah. do generically. But yeah. I mean, I heard someone say it was like coconut husk because it's got a really high absorbent, and it, and it yeah. bonds well with oils because because yeah. they're non-ionic. They don't actually sort of stick well. You got to sort of grab it. Oil's hard yeah. to grab. So race control completely in control. You guys are under race control's command. You can't do a single thing. As far as entering the circuit, until race control have the circuit safe. So, once you do enter the circuit, everybody's cleaned up. You go back to your point. We go racing again. How many flags have you got, and what do they all mean? Okay, so at my flag point, I will have typically seven flags in total. Uh, two of those will be yellow. Um, obviously, we've covered what what that means. Obviously, single yellow, you're slowing down for a hazard. Um, double yellow, got people on track, track, track blockage. You, know, you need to be uh, prepared to slow down, change direction, and or stop um, as well. Uh, you have your green flag. Uh, obviously, that tells um, drivers that uh, yeah they're coming out of a out of a yellow period or yellow zone. You set use at the end of safety car periods, or once they're past the uh, the zone of an incident, just yeah, drivers can just go for leather back into it. Question with that. With a local yellow, yeah, is it the flag station itself? Because they're the ones that are controlling that sort of hazard at that yeah. time. So they go straight out, bang! Here's a yellow flag. A dude's in this in the sand, or he's up against the side of the track, and he's just parked up yeah. and he's not moving yet. So local yellow, you guys have the onus to yeah. throw that. Yeah, absolutely. Which is the immediate response. Does yeah. the station behind? Like up track, do they then indicate your local yellow? Like, is it just one, or is it one point, or yeah, is it again? That can depend on on the track. Uh, at Simmons Plains, for example, uh, any yellow at the hairpin is prefaced by a yellow at the flag station prior, uh, simply because of the nature of the corner. Yep, uh, and, and the approach speeds. But that's still considered a local yellow unless race yeah. control to deem it to be. More worthy of a full course, yeah, absolutely. And who decides so. when the locals actually taken away? You guys, when the hazard uh, goes, yep, yeah, yeah, we. That's usually up to us. Uh, if a car has come off, gone again, then there's no reason for the yellow to remain out. Yep, we'll see that he's gone. Pull the yellow in. You know the scenario. You're putting it out, and you're, you're pulling it in. You let race control know. Mm. Um, it just so they are in, as the name suggests, control. If uh, if 
what, if anything, needs to happen next. But, yeah, lo- local yellows up, up to the discretion of the flag. Yep, cool. Yep. Excellent. Yeah, so continue to go through the flag bundle yes. there. Uh, we've got our blue flag, uh, which has – there's a couple of different ways that's used in practice and qualifying sessions. That can be used at flag's discretion. Uh, simply to notify a driver that there is a car behind them, maybe quicker or looking and or looking to overtake. Uh, yeah, we can use that. I would say whenever we see fit in practice and qualifying sessions. In a race at particularly a national and international level, so you're looking at your supercars and your your F ones at that sort of level. Yeah, so in a race that would only be called upon by race control, and you only use it at their direction. I'm not sure what they typically look for. Uh, I think it may be something to do with the time gap between the leader and, and any car being lapped. Yeah, it's uh, lap cars usually. Yeah. And one thing I didn't realise until recently was that supercars actually don't um, deploy blue flags for cars that are about to be lapped until the whole field has actually completed their, their uh, pit stop cycle. Correct. We all learned that in Newcastle. Yeah, that's, what, oh, that's, that's why I learned it too. It's like, hang yeah. on a minute. So it was the uh, the SVG Jack LeBrock. Um, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Uh, I think it was LeBrock. It's uh, yeah. I was wondering, well, a blue flag would be warranted because you're going to lap down. And, yeah, yeah, but, but Shane hadn't has... pitted yet. No, that's right. Because Shane hadn't pitted, he, he wasn't entitled to the blue flag. Which... Correct, because they're not on the same lap yet. Like they're literally not on the same. Um, not on the same sequence. But... Sequence, yeah. But sequence is right. But... Yeah, but at the same time, the car in front, in this case, LeBrock, was about to go a lap down. So it, it's a unique one. It, it, is, well, it is a unique Well, I one saw people it, yeah. people were complaining in Newcastle with um, Mostert mm. and Shane, you know, when yep. they were diced and Shane was trying yep. to come through and take mm. the lead. Mm. I, I actually saw someone on social media saying, why was not Mostert shown a blue flag? Uh, because of the position. Yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah. my God. We're, we're like, not in the 80s anymore. Uh, like, do you even supercars? Like, do you even yeah. follow racing? Yeah. I mean, back, back in the 80s, yeah, maybe. Uh, you used to have a stationary blue for a faster car approaching, a wave blue for a car that was passing, and that, that was for position. It was for everything. Oh. Uh, you have a look at, um, at some of these older clips and – Yeah, but also some, there was a yeah. – it, it was backyard racing back then too. Was, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's – um. Yeah, oh, I don't think I could, I could blue flag like that these days. It, it, you'd, <laughs> you'd be I, I, tired before you knew it, uh, mate. I was, I was floored. I, honestly, I was just floored. My, my, I just looked at it and I actually replied. I did actually reply to the comment, uh, not with um, any kind of malice or derision, just yeah. information. Um, yeah. They're actually on the same lap, racing for position. This is this is position one and two in the race (laughs) position one is not going to be given a blue flag to let position two come past because he's knocking on his hammer and he has a clearly faster car with a better tire strategy no 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 (laughs) race control are not telling (laughs) Chaz to move aside and let shane through yeah no he's uh he's gonna yeah he's gonna gonna have to do that on his own if he was a lap down absolutely you need you're no longer racing for position yeah exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) But only if you if you've completed the, uh, the pit stop cycles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, well, that's yeah. that's one thing yeah. I didn't know that they're not not even available until everybody has completed yeah. the pit stop. So you're all you're all literally racing mm. at the same sequence on the yeah. same lap, yeah. depending mm. on like strategy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which so, which yeah. makes sense to me. That actually makes perfect sense. 
Because um, you don't want to be penalising somebody who's trying to fight for themselves because some bloke's running long on the strategy. And you've already spent 30, 30, 40 seconds in the lane. Yeah, I mean, in in one way it does, but coming from a a flag definition aspect of it, uh, where the blue flag in a race does mean you're being lapped, you're about to go lap down. Mm. I can see it both ways. If you're about to go lap down, it means you're at the back of the field, right? So you, or actually, in this circumstance, probably not. You're probably halfway through the field. Yeah, he's already lapped back end of the field. Yeah, but if he hasn't pitted yet, if you take the time for lane entry, stationary, lane exit time, the entire transition time of a pit stop off Shane's position at this at this point, then he's virtually. 40 seconds further up the yeah, track than he should be. Yeah, yeah. So he's not really competing for that position at that yeah, moment no, in time. Right. Yeah. He, he's not. But yeah, like After so, the pit stop, say, he'll come back out further mm, in his natural yeah. position. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I'll, I'll see from, from, from both sides. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's just one of those ones that, uh, yeah, I learned uh, yeah, yeah, so, through watching, so through we watching you. <laughs> <laughs> we learned a lot but, of things at Newcastle, yeah, didn't we? About, yeah, that's it. Um, where you kind of yeah. can't put things and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so 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 we got the blue flag, the two yellows, the green. Yep. So we've got the white, um, which does not mean that you are on your final lap. Uh, we're not in America. It's, it's for slow moving car ahead. That can either be a rescue, recovery, or medical vehicle. It can be just a car with issues or whatever else. But yeah, yeah, whatever they, they've, yeah got a, they've got a problem. They're on track, but they're going slow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that, that one usually. Jeez, I hope it's not a recovery vehicle because they really. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, except for Bathurst when Brody got done at the pit exit because there was a recovery oh, truck going yeah. up, missing, and Chaz took the position. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a bit of a cock up. That was, um, yeah. I mean, there was another one a few years back where um, Stevie Richards actually hit the back of the safety car as well, um, coming out of pit lane as well. Yeah, only that one didn't cost him position, though. Just, yeah. No, but this really cost, this mm. one cost Brady did, yeah. position big yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, slam the anchors on to avoid the, the ute. Yeah. Yep. No, that's it. And because he wasn't at that uh, safety car line. Correct. Yeah. That that position that's... stayed and Chaz ended up taking the spot. Yeah. I, I think he was only, what, about 20 metres from it or something like that? Yeah. I, I, don't, think, I don't think he was much in it. Yeah, no, nah, uh, yeah. it was just one of those things. Just another one yeah. of those anomalies that Bathurst will throw at you. Yep. Like if it's not it weather, yep. animals, <laughs> yep. um, <laughs> running out of fuel. Now we yep. got like yep. like control vehicles on course in the wrong time, wrong place, and yep, um, absolutely, and and no and no chance to redress it as such. No, you, you don't. Rules yeah. are the rules. Yeah, exactly, and just it's just bad yeah, luck. An unlu- unlucky coincidence. Yeah, if, yeah. Um, yeah, that vehicle being in the same place at the same time. Right, so Good. there's the so, white flag. So you've got two yep. more left, yeah? Uh, yes, yeah, so we've more. got yellow, green, yeah. blue, yellow, white. Green. So you've got. Uh, see, I've actually got uh, two more because, um, yeah, yellow is times two. Uh, oh, yeah, yellow yeah. times two. Yeah. Sorry, you're right. Yep. Yeah. So uh, next one would be people call it the oil flag, uh, which is the red and yellow. Red and yellow? Flag. Yep. Um, you don't see that we, much. No, we actually. It's actually technically a lack of adhesion flag. Just means a t- deterioration in the surface in the next zone of track. Uh, it could be oil. It could be some other type of fluid. Uh, could be debris. That, what about the track the breaking other... up? Would you deploy that if the track surface oh. was actually breaking up? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
that's Bathurst 2014 all over again. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah, yeah. When they try to glue it all back in again, and that yeah, didn't last I mean, long. yeah, you probably could uh, because it, it it's is an a, unstable it is surface. A, yeah, so lack of yeah, adhesion. It is a deterioration, uh, and I mean the, the manner in which that that flag is used uh, changes a little bit too, depending on the level of the event that you that you're doing. Typically at a club or state event, I would put it out for anything that's on on the surface on the racing surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's supercars. In particular, they typically only like it to be put out for anything that's on the racing line. Right. Mm. Well, that so, makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise, marbles it, classify, don't they? It, it, yeah, it, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it, it does. But um, yeah, that was something that I learned at a flyaway event that uh, myself and my son, because uh, my son does marketing with me as well. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. We oh, it's a family to, crew now. Yeah, it is now. Yeah. <laughs> um, we went away and did the Adelaide 500 uh, last year, uh, hoping to go back this year too. But, yeah, we stuck a lake of adhesion flag out for an item that was on the track and uh, yeah, just our senior marshal came down and said, oh, no, you only put it out for stuff that's on the track because we, we didn't know any different at the time. Um, yes. So it's like, oh, okay. Uh, I went, we were, we were fine with it. We, we weren't uh, kicked up the backside or anything for it, as it were. It was, no, uh, no. Yeah. So, uh, again, deploying that flag's on you guys. Like, that's on yeah. the, the local... Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's yeah, because uh, the flag is because you're the one that sees it's it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're the eyes. Yep, that's right. They're the eyes. They're, of course, leading race control know that uh, why they've why they've got it out. Yep. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah, I've got uh, debris. What about mirrors? Mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> Look, any, any, <laughs> anything. Uh, yeah. It's uh, yeah. I mean, any street circuit, you, it gets a workout. I have not seen the red and yellow often and I've gone to a lot of car racing supercars yeah. racing and and, yeah. and Shannon's and state racing and stuff I don't see the red and yellow often at all usually I think it might be covered under a yellow yeah. well yeah it, it could be I mean yeah, it, it, it'd have to be something that really deteriorates the surface I mean and as well it's the only flag in our kit that we hold stationary on a regular flag point. Oh, you don't uh, wave so it. You just hold no. it. Yeah, you hold hold it on station. So they can see so... it's a red and yellow, not a that's right, yeah. Not a so... red or a yellow waving around and missing the correct. Yeah, contrast. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So right, yeah, you can actually clearly see what it is. And yeah, well, you don't want to waving. mistake it for a red and then just roll out. And yeah, if, if you if you're waving it, you've got half the half the crew coming in, half the cars coming into the pits and half of them slowing down and not overtaking because um uh, yeah, they see the yellow the other guys that come out of the pit see the red. It's see like, the oh, red, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can just imagine how, that, how that'll end up. Oh, oh yeah, like, that'd be oh, great. Why have, oh, why have you pitted? Oh, red flag. No, it was a... It was the yellow. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that gets held stationary to, to avoid uh, any confusion. Last flag, uh, of course, is the red flag. Um, just about everybody knows what that means. It, you know, all cars slow down, no overtaking. Back to the back to the pits or on on the grid, depending on what uh, a race director. What the call has, is, uh, yeah, has determined. Yeah, race suspended. Uh, yeah, race race suspended. Uh, whether it resumes or not is obviously always a matter of time, depending on what needs to be done. We saw Newcastle recently get uh, red flagged off the uh, off the start. Um, yeah, with Declan Fraser. Yeah, Deck Fraser. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah interesting maneuver, trying to cover off yeah. the twenty third position. Yeah, him and uh, Macaulay had a little bit of a shaking of hands and, uh, yeah, a bit of a headbutt into the wall for, for Declan. 
Yeah, and one of your colleagues got like punted on the other side of that because he shoved the wall back about three or four feet. Yeah. And, he was standing on yeah. the other side, standing on the lane side of it and ended up just getting sort of slingshotted into the lane. Yeah, given where it was, he was, was probably one of the grid marshals. Um, yeah, the ones the that do the yellow for a stalled yeah. car. Yeah, yep. So um, there's not much you can do with their positioning. They've got to be close-ish to the wall, unfortunately. Yeah, well, they, they need to lean out the, the wall with the yeah. yellows in case yeah. yep. let the guys behind know there's a stalled car yeah. up ahead. Um, Otherwise, you get a Thomas Randall incident like we had. A- yeah, uh, exactly. And, and there were still yellows out for that too. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And, the, and the flags were there. It was yeah. just the flags as there, everybody was. Unsighted. Yeah, unsighted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Reaction time is like 0.002 of a second as you realise you try to turn your wheel, but yeah. you're already in the back of Randall's car at 150 yeah. Ks an hour, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah, with, yeah, I mean, with that marshalling Newcastle too, it was, it was great to see the uh, walked away uh, under Jones, under Jones team too. Yeah, yeah, just probably not anticipating a bump from oh, a concrete. You're not going block. to anticipate it there. You're not going to anticipate it in a straight line. You're not going to think that a car is going to come 90 degrees at you from a straight line. <laughs> Who, whoever has an accident on a straight. Like a right angle into a wall, like yep. off a start line. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like so I know. many things there were completely never contemplated to be even probable, let alone possible. Yeah. And yeah, what do you know? It happens. And there you go. Welcome to car racing. <laughs> exactly. Just because you reckon it might not happen, chances are low. Like in this yep. sport, you know, you, you've seen crazy, you've seen yep. the one percenters actually happen. Yeah. And there's probably plenty that I haven't yet as well. For, you know, for as long as I've been doing it, there's probably still plenty that, I, that I'm yet to see. Yeah, no uh, doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it. you just got to expect anything at any time. But they do sell me my ticket every round, and it does say on the back, motorsport is dangerous. It's dangerous, so, yes, exactly. Um, yep. It's a, you, you actually are on your own reconnaissance. And I spend yep. most of my time, as, as you know, when I catch up with you, in the back of the pits. They're down the yep. support categories and stuff. So I think yeah. I just deviated a little bit there. So um, getting back to to your role, yep. yep, and 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 your colleagues' role. What's the most rewarding part of why you spend your time and your money to stand in a concrete bunker on the edge of a circuit, busting to go to the toilet, but you can't because there's another <laughs> session going. <laughs> yeah, and you're just sort of kind of trapped for the day. You don't get to go and party up at the pits. You don't get to go and snoop through the support categories because you guys are on job. So yeah. what are you doing? Uh, uh, I guess, yeah, first and foremost, I mean, yeah, we all we all love motorsport ourselves. Uh, we're fans of motorsport. I mean, we even have some people who are competitors that actually come and uh, officiate with us as well at, at the bigger events as their way of giving back to to the sport. But basically, that'd be right there, I'd say, is, yeah, the Love of motorsport. Love it. And I hear the same answer from that same question that I ask every single official, no matter what role they're actually in, they just want to be involved. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, being volunteers, we, we certainly are not doing it for money. No, well, well, there's no money. Well, <laughs> it, mate, honestly, there's not even prize money for the cars that win. Nah. They're not doing it for money either. Nah, <laughs> no right. one makes money yeah. in car racing. Nah. No, that's right. It's, um, no, so yeah, that that'd be the single biggest reason that uh, that any of us do it would be yeah, simply because we love motorsport. So do you all get together 
at the end of the weekend, have a barbie and stuff, or? Yeah, so at a supercars meet, you uh, even at uh, Speed Series event we recently had, so at, at our national level events down here, yeah, we usually have a have a barbie on the Sunday night. Uh, our state level events we do too. Usually have a have a barbie at the end of the uh, at the end of the second night or the second day. Usually just uh, you know, sit down, have something to eat, you know, drink, decompress, talk crap, you know, and you might be you know, talking to fellow officials, competitors, whatever else. You know, everybody's just all in there sort of thing. And um, yeah, what the drivers turn up as well to the volume. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so at state level events, yeah, you you get yeah, some right. drivers there because we typically have our um have our uh, presentations for the day, so your your top three players getters for your, your categories and stuff like that. Yeah, but things like supercars or uh, speed series events, uh, we would often get uh, a driver or a couple of drivers uh, come along to the to the barbecue, and I, I know that's happened at uh, at other events as well. So it's happened at Sandown, it's happened at Gold Coast, for example. Can you name uh, drop? Are there some drivers that are more um, appreciative of the effort that all the volunteers of any service do and others just like are too focused and just like think it's just how it works. Yeah, look. Who are the good blokes that give you guys a high five and shake your hand as I walk past saying thanks? The single biggest one uh, would what, that I've encountered at least mm-hmm. would be Tommy Randall. Excellent. Uh, as, as far as uh, national level goes, yeah, even on driver parades and stuff like that, he'll um, that, he'll give you a wave and he'll say, oh, yeah, thanks for what you do, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, he, he's, he's a good bloke, Tommy. He's he's the absolute single biggest one. Will Davison's another one. Excellent. Uh, I know old school. Davo Davo cops a lot of crap on social media, uh, but uh, I'm not yeah, sure why. Yeah, well, yeah, it's. <laughs> Because people can, I guess. Um, oh, well, there's that. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, well, you guys cop heaps of crap too when they, people think yeah. that you don't do your job as they think that you should be doing your job. Mm. And, I, and mm. I see comments that as I'm trying to educate some fans saying that why aren't they over there doing on track, getting people out? It's yeah. because the track's not safe yet. Yeah. That's it. Oh, yeah. well, I don't and care. If it was me, I would have just done it. It's like, well, that's the reason. Um, that's the reason be, you're on that side of the fence. <laughs> that's, yeah, the that's fence, the yeah. reason you'd be hit. And we have no, another incident to clean up because there's a yeah. car coming past around the corner you don't know about. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But uh, I was trying to think. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably the, the two biggest guys. I mean, all, all the drivers are focused on what they do anyway, but so that, those two guys, it'd, it'd be the standouts for, for me at least. In, in, uh, in it's interesting that I'll one's say. at the start of his, like relatively at the start of his career, Tommy Randall, who's who's yeah. um who I think I've met plenty of times and talk at the track, and I've had a, I've got a lot of um admiration for this young guy. He's he races whatever he can race. Yep. Uh, he's he's coming from a racing family, like his old man and stuff, like the racing cars. Uh, Will Davison's sort of at the other end of that yep. spectrum. Like he's coming towards probably the twilight of his, well, in the twilight of his career. Yeah. Um, and basically one of the nicest blokes I've ever actually met. So it's interesting that those two blokes are the ones that give you guys the most appreciation, whereas everybody else in the middle, I'm, I'm not saying that they don't. 
I'm not yeah, saying no, that I'm, they I'm don't not saying they don't either, but yeah, just, just based on, on what I've what I've seen and, yeah. and what I've experienced with them. Yeah, those those two are the are the standouts. Yeah, cool. No, yeah. that's lovely. Oh, actually, actually uh, to a light, um Toddy Hazelwood is another one. Oh, he's a good young bloke. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so he's he's another one that's um that's uh, he's usually pretty appreciative on, on his way around as well. Yep, good. Yep. No, see we need to get this information out there. The purpose of my chat with you this tonight was for everybody else to understand the, the, the techie bits, like the tin tacks of the function of your, your role, how much control you guys have, how much control race control has, when you guys get given the green light to do what you need to do, how you integrate with the other services. And, and thank you very much for your time tonight because you've actually explained it quite clearly. And I hope everybody else has actually understood and listened and learned a bit more about the these guys can't just jump the fence and no. they're not slow in what they do. There is a policy and a process that is global. Yeah, just going back to um, how much control we have and access and, and response to incidents and yes. stuff like that, the big one that people are often critical of, fire. Oh, yes, uh, we haven't even yeah. got to that. That was the Goldie mm. one. That was the incident yeah. I was going to bring yeah. in for the Goldie. Please, yes. go on. Uh, yeah, so... Um, okay. People say, well, why aren't the flag masters jumping fence, jumping fence with fire extinguishers? Why are they just handing them to the drivers? Well, A, you still got cars going around the track. We're not going to add to the incident by jumping in there without without clearance. Uh, B, we're not pro- appropriately attired. The shirts that we get supplied are polyester. You guys don't wear fire suits, do you? No. You don't no, have hoods, don't. fire suits, you got nothing. No. You got your no. you got the you've got the officials. Um, the official polyester shirt. shirt. Yes. Yeah, polyester shirt. I never actually considered that. So I'm not about to get up close and personal with a fire, fire. And, yeah, and have to go to the hospital, have that shirt picked off my skin. You have – every flag station has fire extinguishers, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, I mean, if we were in a position to do so, we can stand at our point and actually try and – Shoot from over the fence. Yeah, yeah pretty much. The car's in a position for us to do that. Otherwise, you hand the them off to out, the blokes that are actually cleared car, to be on yeah. circuit. Yeah. If a driver's in out of a car, seats. yeah. If the driver's out of a car, correct. Well, yeah, he's in a fire suit. He's yeah. got triple A Nomex uh, race suit. He's got Nomex fire, fire retainer or fireproof underwear, socks. He's in all gloves. He's got the lot. Mm. Um, he or she, sorry. Uh, we yep. do have well, it's true. Our drivers around, around the world. So, Yep, 100%. Uh, any any driver is actually more appropriately attired than a flaggy. So, yeah, and, that, and that's why you saw Marshall's handing extinguishers to drivers at, uh, at that one at Gold Coast because, yeah, they're too far away. They can't get there. The drivers can get up close and personal with it and they're more appropriately attired. And the, the incident was still being, the course was still being brought under control at that point. There were still yeah, cars exactly. trying to make their, ju- pick their yeah. way slowly through the, yep. the crashed yep. cars to get themselves back through the course. Like they, they were yeah, still exactly. driving on course. Yeah, and exactly. Yep. So we still, not at still speed, had cars on track. Yeah. But they were coming up, yeah. that the approach speed for that corner was like 230, 240 oh, an hour. Approach speed's mad. Yeah. Before you hit the start of the hit the little beach chicane yeah. section, then yeah. you know, tire bundle gets clipped, and you know, we all yeah. saw what happened. It was very yeah. exciting, yeah. especially when I was sitting in front of it. <laughs> I've got some amazing footage from my phone, like I was recording the response mm. from everybody at the time, yeah. and yeah. 
I mean, like, let, let's say for what it is, we love car racing because of the danger. We don't want anybody getting hurt by no, any stretch of imagination. It's pretty hard to get seriously hurt these days in the way the cars are so well engineered for the safety being that the prime objective of design is safety first and then speed. And yeah, exactly. Um, but that, <laughs> that stack was, yep. it went forever. There were so yep. many cars, so many cars at speed going to terminal, like from terminal to zero. And then they got the fire kicking off. The only dudes that were work, walking out were the drivers. Like you said, yep. full fire kit. Yep. Marshals have already got the, they already, I was looking at the Marshall station. They already had the fire extinguishers hanging over the wall. Yep. Yeah. For the guys to get. Because yep. when, when Macaulay's car started to catch fire, and the carbon fiber, it like that, like the, I think an oil line came off, hit the exhaust, caught yeah. fire. It was burning carbon fiber itself. Yeah. It was like the the air intake and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't actually a proper engine fuel fire. Yeah. So that was all taken care of. And I tell you right, I tell you one thing: the fans that were on the fence who yeah. started to see that and called it really early, there would have yeah. been a couple hundred of them. They were yeah. all screaming and calling out to the marshals. There's a fire. There's a fire. There's a yeah. fire because they might not have picked it up necessarily themselves yet. Yeah. The busy, like craziness of that mass. Yeah, I mean, you get cars parked like that, and there are some things that you just can't see until it gets really going, sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. So as soon as yeah. it kicked off and we started to see like the tiny flame, everyone was saying fire, fire, fire. Mm. Well, the marshals are going. Well, we can't enter the circuit yet. Because it was still green. Like it yeah. was literally this the track hadn't been under control yet. It had just right. happened yeah. 12 seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It takes a bit longer than that to uh, to grab For a safety car to take yeah. control of the yeah. circuit. Yeah. Yeah. And you still got cars so, coming yeah. in at an approach. So the locals are being shown the next flag point on the entry to the chicane would have been okay. showing yellows. But those yeah. guys are coming down from 220, 230 k's an hour. Yeah. Mm. And then they yeah. start seeing yellows. They go, okay, we've got an issue. They don't know what yet because there's actually a bit of a no. blind turn as they come into that yeah. chicane on the kink. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, look, there's like six cars. There's three on that side, three on that side. This one's on fire. The, the tire bundle's in the middle of the goddamn yeah. – <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pick a line, Cole. You can drive through. <laughs> and and when they well, when they all hit the anchors and managed to pull up, and a lot of, a lot there could have been more, way more cars. When I saw them pull up late, literally, mm -hmm. they, they, everybody got hit. I think the only guys that didn't get hit were the guys that were ahead of the accident. Everybody hit yeah. somebody at some point yeah. in low speed yeah. or or more. Yeah. And then it was just basically just a push your way through the debris and the cars just to find a line for another yeah. eight cars, nine cars to get through yeah. mm. to get back to the pits and repair the bumps and scrapes that they just had as they all yeah. hit the anchors. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And then the marshals, yeah. like, yeah. So, so the fire thing is 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 true. That's one that needs to be um, understood by people that the commentary that I saw was I would have just jumped the fence because there was a fire. People were trapped, like drivers were trapped. Well, yeah, drivers were trapped. But they were conscious, and they could they couldn't get out because their driver's side door was up against the concrete wall. They had to get out, yeah. out of the left hand side. Yeah, the passenger side. Yeah, like yep. it's so, not actually yep. trapped. It's inconvenient. Yeah, that's it. So, well, yeah, it, 
it's one of those things, yeah, I mean, some people you, you'd probably find adrenaline would start to start to try and take over. You go to you go to go over and then you think, oh, hang on, no, I can't. Because um, in a lot of cases, you've got to temper what your natural instinct would be. Correct. Good uh, intentions yeah. will get you hurt. Yeah. At a racetrack, yes, they can. Yeah, so a, a lot of it you do have to temper, temper your instincts a, a little bit, especially with something like that where you can easily let adrenaline just take over and, and rule what you do. As we were talking earlier, because you guys integrate with all the other services on track. So you've got your five, like, look, let's talk about the the on-track services. So there's flag marshals, uh, recovery, medical, fire. They're basically your services that are going to be deployed in an incident. And they all work cohesively together. You guys will know everybody else's role. They will be doing a role at a particular time when it is scheduled. Anybody works outside of that parameter and that framework will create a level of unpredictability yep. and chaos. It creates another problem that doesn't Which now will then create another yep. situation that nobody is expecting yep. because of the way that everybody had a set of rules that you're supposed to work to. Some guy goes rogue. Well, yep. uh, this could have pretty serious consequences. Yeah, yep. Exactly. So yeah, that, that's why it's all as tightly controlled as it is, uh, is so that those that need to know what's going on do know what's going on. They can actually move all the chess pieces around the board at, as they need to because it is essentially a, a coordinated response. Look, mate, I've, th- I've held you up enough. Um, thank you very, 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 very much for uh, coming on today. Uh, it's been a and- pleasure, mate. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, look, You're just one final anytime. note. For, yeah, just one final note for anybody yes. that is out there that wants to get involved as an official, uh, whether it be a flaggy, whether it be a fiery, whether it be you know, rescue recovery, uh, even doing just, just the gate line. guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. Head to the Motorsport Motorsport Australia website, uh, motorsport.org.au forward slash officials. Yeah, follow the links there. There's a sign-up link, and uh, under the About and Contact section, there's also email contacts for the Motorsport Australia office in your state or territory, uh, and they would also be able to fill you in on where to go to start getting events under your belt. We will we will put that link into the show notes for the podcast, and we'll put that up on the um, Erebus Motorsport Army website as well. And yep. we'll get that word out there. Like we do, we do that often. Every every single round, we always put the yep. MA link up for volunteers. Yep. Yep. So, once again, thank you very much for the effort that you do and your colleagues. Without you guys, there is no car racing. So everybody who's losing their mind at volunteers, check yourself. Yep. Um, unless you're prepared to put your own money, your own time, and learn to be a marshal or a volunteer at a racetrack, unless you're prepared to do it yourself. Stop criticising these guys because you think you know better than everybody else. There are rules in place to make the sport functional, operational and safe. Nobody breaks those rules because when they do, someone goes rogue, problems happen. So thank you again, Chris, to you and your colleagues. I will catch up with you in May down in uh, Tassie at Simmons Plains. Absolutely, yep, absolutely will. And... uh, Thank you for your information and your education today. So we'll talk soon. 
Nice, mate. Ben, so anybody wants to be a volunteer, motorsportaustralia.org.org, yeah? Uh, motorsport.org.au. Motorsport.org.au. Check it out. Uh, The link will be in the show notes and have a go. But be be part of the community. Like, let's all keep the sport going, growing. Yeah, make a new new set of friends and you'll hear a lot of sports clubs uh, talk about uh, how how their family, well, motorsport officials as well, they do become like a, a second family over time. I love it. Love it. All right, mate. Uh, thank you again. Thanks again. Talk soon. So this chat was brought to you by gamelife.com.au. Yep, shameless plug for my mate who's actually giving me all the support and anything you need for your online gaming and streaming and podcasting needs, peripherals, accessories, uh, hardware, chairs. Mate, if you, want, if you want a new gaming chair, just buy one. He's got heaps. So that's uh, good old mate, Jay Sweeney gamelife.com.au once again thanks chris chris shear uh flaggy from tassie a tassie correspondent and we will uh catch up with you all next step thanks mate